Pastor Marcus Givens is our speaker this morning, so let's warmly welcome him as we prepare to receive God's word to us. Morning, church. God bless you on this day, the Lord's day. I would bet just about every one of us has been in a situation where things look so bleak, so bad, so dark. We were so concerned that there was no way out that we wondered, in this mess, is there any way even God can't get me out? You may feel like that today. You might have been through something like that. Uh, In the past, past months, past years, whatever. But most of us have been there. If you have, would you just say amen? Amen. Boy, we had some hearty amens. (laughs) Here's the beauty of it. We still have a God who knows how to pull us out of the worst situations. Amen. Hallelujah. And today, somebody's excited for Jesus. I like that. We're going to read a passage where a prophet, Jeremiah, is in a very difficult situation. Now, he's just been trying to tell people the truth. He's been telling the people of Judah and specifically the city of Jerusalem, look, God is going to judge you. They don't want to listen. God, you need to repent. They don't want to listen. You need to do things God's way. They don't want to listen. Finally, he says, the Lord told me when the Babylonians come, we'll see it in a second. When the Chaldeans come, they're going to sack this city and many of us are going to die. So when they show up, you ought to just give up because God has judged us to the point where when they show up, we're going to lose the battle. You may as well not fight. That made him even more mad. And he ended up in a pit. But God pulled him out. Through a man called Ebed Melech. That's what we're going to read about today. So come with me, please, to Jeremiah 38. We're going to begin with verse 1. Let's take a look at that. Jeremiah 38. We're going to see the situation that he was in. And thank you for standing as we read the Word of God. Jeremiah 38, 1. Now, Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pasher, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pasher, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore, the princess said to the king, please let this man be put to death. For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. Then Zedekiah, the king said, look, he is in your hand for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, there was no water. But mire. That's mud and filth. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. 
Now, Ebed Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. When the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin, Ebed Melech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil and all that they have done to Jeremiah, the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. When the, then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from here 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah, the prophet, out of the dungeon before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. Then Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, Please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. And you may have your seat. He's at the bottom of this pit. It's muddy. And he's stuck. Or at least he feels that he's stuck. But his God is still the deliverer. And so the question I have, and that's our subject today, if we can put that on the screen. Simple. Stuck in the mud? That's the question. Let's ask that together. Stuck in the mud? We may well feel like it. We may actually be stuck. It can happen to an individual, a family, a a church, any situation could be the job situation. You feel stuck in the mud, but God is powerful and he pulls us out in his own time. Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. Oh, God, we look to you. Be with each and every one of us who feels Stuck at the bottom of a pit. Help us to focus, Lord Jesus, on you. Because no matter what is happening, you are good. You are our Savior and you will see us through. We pray that you touch hearts and that you would even save souls today if that's your will. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> As I said earlier, Jeremiah had been warning the people of Judah. They didn't want to listen to him. They got frustrated. One historian said that the people not only thought that Jeremiah was disheartening them by saying, well, you know, when the Chaldeans show up, you shouldn't even fight. The Lord said, just give up because the city is going to be sacked. They not only said that, the historian said, people said, we think this guy, Jeremiah, has lost his mind. He's crazy. Nobody's going to sack Judah. We're not. This is the city of Jerusalem. Nobody's. No, this is this is the holy city. Forget that. There's no way it could happen. They were proud and they didn't want to do what the Lord wanted them to do. So since he's saying to the army, don't fight when people show up, technically that's treason. And so they accuse him of treason when they say you're weakening the hands of of the men who are fighting. Technically, that's true. But what it boils down to is, you know what? When I want to do something wrong or you want to do something wrong, we can come up with some great excuses. 
I want to listen to God. Well, see, he's the problem. It's treason. That's what they did. They continue to be disobedient, continue to be arrogant. And by the time we get to Jeremiah 38, here's what's sad. Exactly what God had prophesied had already happened pretty much. The city wasn't gone, but they were surrounded by the Babylonians, Chaldeans, same people, surrounded by them. They were running out of bread. They were running out of water. They were running out of food. And they weren't sure how long the siege was going to last, but they knew pretty soon. The Chaldeans were going to break through. That's the situation they're in when we get to verse six. Now, come on with me and look at verse six. Actually, verse five. Let's go to verse five. See how the king handles this. Jeremiah 38, five. Then Zedekiah, the king said, look, he is in your hand because these people want to kill him. Right. For the king can do nothing against him. Now, look at that. A politician playing politics. Shocking. He is the king. He's the most powerful person in Judah. He's got a problem. There's this prophet. Earlier, he had said to him, I think it's the last chapter, 37. Uh, so, um, Jeremiah, is there any word from the Lord? What he meant was, I'm really tired of you telling me what the Lord said, that we need to repent and we need to change. I'd like you to tell me something else. Jeremiah said, yeah, I have a word from the Lord. Same one I've been trying to tell you. He didn't want to hear it. So now these people want to kill him. And instead of taking a stand, he says, I can't do anything. He's the king. How weak. But it's a political thing. He's playing the political game. So he's thinking if they kill him, my problem goes away. So the king pretends he can't do anything. Then look at verse six. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Melchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes and in the dungeon, there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. Jeremiah is now at the bottom of a hole in the ground where they keep water. It's called a cistern. It's where they kept water. They were pretty deep. 70, 80, 90 feet, 100, some 110 feet deep. This one must have been one of the deeper cisterns because they had to let him down with ropes. There's not much water in the city. There's not much food. They've been under siege for a long time. So when he gets to the bottom, there's nothing at the bottom of this pit but mud. So it's dark. It's cold. Josephus, the first century historian, said Jeremiah literally sank all the way so that he was up to his neck in mud. And... This was shaped. I want to give you a picture of how it was shaped. It was somewhat cylindrical. So it was kind of like the shape of our modern day water bottle. So you have this deep cistern, probably about 100 feet or so. And then at the top, there's a small opening, maybe three feet. And they would roll the stone over when they wanted to kill you. They would roll the stone over the top and close it off so you don't get much oxygen. So you could either suffocate. Or you could starve. That's pretty much how you die. So you got to understand, it was already dark 100 feet down. But when they roll the stone back over, probably pitch black, he would be doing well to have a sliver of light. Mud up to here, cold, no light. And if there were even a sliver of light, he can't see a way out. And even if he could climb up here, Jeremiah is about 60 by this time, not likely. When he tries to get up to this part because of the angle, there's no way. He can get to this small opening a hundred feet up. It's impossible. He is stuck in the mud at the bottom of this terrible pit. 
And there's only one way for him to get out. It's God. He must have been wondering, at least if I had been Jeremiah, I would have been wondering, Lord, why are you allowing this? What happened? Why, why am I in this pit? Do you realize how bad, how, I mean, the smell, there's no water. The city's already under siege, so there's very little food. Why? When we're hurting, I think we sometimes wonder if God gets it. At least I do. And I see some of you nodding tentatively like I don't really want to admit that I think that. Some of us do. Amen. God, do you realize what's going on? And sometimes we'll say to him, Lord, why? What is this? Here's the interesting thing of the story. Ebed Melech. The guy who helps Jeremiah out of this, he does understand the situation. He knows how deep the cistern is. He knows exactly the, you know, the, how big the, the opening is. It's impossible to get out. He knows there's nothing but mud there. He knows they're short on food. They're short on water. He knows everything he needs to know to get Jeremiah out. But the interesting thing when we compare Ebed-Melech to the Lord, and that's a key comparison, we'll talk about that in a minute, is that Ebed-Melech knew everything he needed to do to get Jeremiah out. But when you and I are at the bottom of a pit, when we're in a dungeon, God knows everything about our dungeon. He knows everything about our pit because he is the Lord. And that's point number one. Let's put that on the screen, please. Point number one. Jesus knows all about our mud pit. Let's say that together. Jesus knows all about our mud pit. He knows exactly what's going on. He hasn't missed anything. Sometimes we wonder, but the Lord hasn't missed anything. A friend of mine who sings in a church choir told me this story. Now, we, in, our, in our church, we would call them the worship team, the team that comes up and sings for, for the church. But in this church, it was called the church choir. They were on their way on a church bus. Probably an old church bus, because most church buses I have seen are old. And I think this one was no exception. They're going where they're going. And something goes wrong with the engine or whatever. The driver has problems and he's got to pull off to the side. So he does. He pulls off to the side of the road. And then he can't seem to get the bus started again. And something happens, more frighteningly, and the engine compartment, something in the engine compartment catches fire. Now they're worried about the bus burning and exploding. Pretty scary. They're on the side of the road. So, of course, everybody, you know, clambers off the bus and, you know, they're hoping, please, God, don't let this thing blow up. And we want to get to this place so we can do our ministry of worship. So they didn't know what else to do but pray. And I imagine they were standing there on the side of the road just praying, Lord, help us. I don't know. We just want to get where we're supposed to get and, and honor you and glorify you. I don't know how long they prayed. They did have to wait. But after a certain period of time, this guy shows up. He pulls off to the side of the road, gets out of the car, very polite, kind of well-dressed. And hello, how are you doing? Can I help you? And they said, oh, my goodness, our bus is on fire and all of that. Now, they're expecting him when they explain the situation to look, you know, frightened and stressed. And, oh, my goodness, the thing could blow up. They notice as, as they explain where our bus is on. We don't know why. There's some kind of fire in the engine compartment that he's kind of smiling. Oh, really? And he nods and he walks back to his car, pops the trunk, comes out with several fire extinguishers. It turns out his full time job is that he is a fire extinguisher salesman. Kid you not. Full story. 
put the fire out, gave them a free fire extinguisher, and went on his way. So the bus didn't blow up. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was burned. Now, I don't know if they got to that uh, worship event on time, but I would love to have heard that choir. The next time they got to sing the songs of Zion. Oh, Lord, thank you. We were on the side of the road. We were wondering if our bus was going to blow up and you sent a fire extinguisher salesman and a fire extinguisher. And we got one for free. Hallelujah. Can you see them singing to the Lord, praising him? Because he knew all about their situation. He knows every mud pit every one of us is in, every family, every situation, every church, whatever's going on. He knows about it. That's what I love about God. So even if we're wondering if he knows, that's all right. We can wonder, but he knows everything and God will meet us right there in the mud pit. Amen. And it's odd to me when I think about it, sometimes when I'm in those situations I feel, I'm going to be honest, I feel hopeless. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm in one of these pits, things are not going well, and I'm like, could this possibly get better? Now that I think about it and I look at this passage, that's kind of sad that I'm not realizing there's hope because I'm a child of God. Look who he is. Come on, look at our, our passage. Look how God uses Ebed Melech here. Verse 7. We are still in Jeremiah 38, of course. Look at verse 7. Now, Ebed Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, was in the king's house. And he heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin. Ebed Melech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they've done to Jeremiah, the prophet, whom they've cast into the dungeon. And he is likely to die from the hunger, from hunger in the place where he is. For there's no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, take from here 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah, the prophet, out of the dungeon before he dies. So Ebed-Melech pleads the case for Jeremiah. He went to court for him. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Today, when there's a legal matter, you go to court, the lawsuit or whatever. In Old Testament times, you went to the city gate. And the king was usually the one who was the judge. He would adjudicate. You know, it's, it's guilty, innocent. Um, there's a lawsuit or whatever. He would make the judgment. So the king is there. Ebed-Melech goes to the king. By the way, his name means servant of the king. Ebed, servant, Melech, king. So Ebed-Melech, the servant of the king, goes to the king and he pleads the case for Jeremiah. So that Jeremiah can be set free. You know what's beautiful about that? Who pleads the case for you and for me? The Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you know Jesus as your Savior, he has already pled your case. He's done that. It's done. Hallelujah. He's done it. Jesus... The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. That's 1 Timothy 2.5. You can read that later if you want to. Jesus goes to God the Father, who's the righteous judge, and he says, Dad, I know her. She's one of our children. She's turned her life over to me. She's following me. And Dad, I know the charges against her. Would you please drop the charges? And the Father says, case dismissed. 
all sins forgiven, past, present, and future, gone like she'd never sinned. I know him. He's one of mine. Father, can you dismiss this case? Dad says, oh, yes. Case dismissed, son. That's one of ours. He's already pled the case for us. He knows absolutely everything about our pit. And more important, he's our redeemer. He's our savior. How could we ever think there's no hope? And that's point number two. Point number two. Because of Jesus, there is hope. Let's say that together. Because of Jesus, there is hope. It doesn't matter what pitch you're in. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. There is hope because of who the Lord is. He's that good. He's that powerful. He's that amazing. You know, Ebed Melech, when he looked at the situation of Jeremiah, said, uh, in the place where he is, O king, he's likely to die. In fact, it's funny. In the King James, it says, He's like to die. Now, if you know some of the folks that I know, especially with, from the South, that's a phrase you hear people say, oh, he's like to die. I'd like to die. You know, that's in the King James English version of the Bible. Jeremiah 38. It's verse 9. Like to die. It means likely to die. And in fact, the original Hebrew says he's dead. He's, he, he's already died. It's, it's kind of a past tense type of verb. Get the picture. It seemed like nothing was hopeful, but it's not true. God pulled him out through Ebed Melech. So when we're in certain situations, we'll say to ourselves, we'll look around to put it in modern English and say, oh, man, I'm dead. We're dead. Our church is facing a challenging time right now, painful time. Painful for every elder and every person who's ever served in eldership. Painful for every pastor and member. It hurts. And it's easy for us to say, well, we're dead. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. Because of Jesus. He knows all about this. He knows everything we need. And he is going to see us through. That's who he is. There's hope because of him. Right now, people are upstairs ministering to kids in Safari Kids in GX. Right now, there are families who wouldn't exactly know how to come to church and be able to hear the word of God because their child has special needs. But their child is in special adventure and they're probably sitting right out here. Right now, we've got people praying. Right now, there are organizations that we support that are ministering to people here in the community and in different parts of the world. This week, growth groups met. Next week, growth groups will meet. We're ministering to people in the jails. We're not dead. Hurting? Yeah. Challenge? Yeah. Not enough light? Okay. Perhaps it looks strange and we're down here and it's a lot of mud and we're trying to figure out how in the world can I get a hundred feet? Oh my goodness. Yeah. But God is telling us there is hope because of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. The truth. And how kind he is to us. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian saying, take from here 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. 
So Abed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down. Look at the look at the tenderness by ropes into the dungeon. Didn't toss them down to Jeremiah. Then Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, please. You don't hear that word enough today. Amen. Please. Put these old uh, clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. Here's what he's doing. He's showing compassion. Do you see that? And that's point number four. Let's put that up. This is what Jesus does for us. This is what Jesus does for us. Jesus shows us compassion. Let's say that together. Jesus shows us compassion. Please don't miss this. In the Old Testament, in other parts of the Bible, but especially the Old Testament, There are people that are there so that we can learn more about who Jesus Christ is. They're called Jeremiah. uh, Abed-Melech is one of them. He's a type of Christ. It means he's there. This story is there so we can understand who Jesus is. He represents Jesus to us. Jesus shows us compassion. Look what he did. He made sure that the ropes went down. He didn't just drop some rag down there. He let them down with ropes. And before the rope got there, this man, Jeremiah, who's in mud up to here. Now he can put the old rags and worn out clothes under here. And when he's pulled up, the rope is not going to rip into his armpit or his shoulder. You see that? You see the compassion? That's who God is. He pulls us out with compassion. Beautiful story. I heard of a, a minister who was uh, serving with my cousin, Reverend James Taylor, who's a, a minister in the AME Zion Church, also and an elder. And uh, one of his associate ministers was telling a story. This is back before cell phones. So when you are a woman and you're by yourself and you had car problems, it was not a good thing. Amen. No Snapchat, no texting, no, you know. And so this sister, she was on her way. She's a minister. She's on her way to an appointment, I think, for, for, for church. And she's, you know, just driving in her car and in the middle of the street, in the middle of nowhere. It just cuts off for no reason. She, she has no idea why. This is strange. She's trying to get it won't even turn over. So she doesn't know what's going on. And out of nowhere, apparently, this man just kind of there he is. By her doing it. Oh, miss, are you OK? Can can I help you? And for some reason, she said he seemed like some. I just felt safe with him. It seemed like I could talk to him. So she rolled down the window. Yes, I'm having problems. I can't. I don't know anything about cars. And he's oh, don't worry. Just pop the hood. So she did. He said, let me. And he fiddled with it. And she's thinking, oh, thank God, because she didn't know anything about cars. So why don't you try it now? And she's kind of probably a little doubtfully. Oh, let me try it. You know, she turned the key. She said she had never heard her car sound like that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, so she's all excited. He shuts the hood and she thanks him. Oh, sir, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And he said, you know what? Today, you just needed a touch from the Lord. And she smiled and said, you're right. That's exactly what I needed. Now she's excited. She might even get to this meeting on time. Oh, praise the Lord. Make sure she's got her purse and got the address where she's going. And she turned to thank him again. He's gone. Shocked. Wait, 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 wait. She's in the middle of the street, not on the side of the middle. She got out of the car, looked all around. 360. Gone. And it hit her. Wow. God sent me an angel. 
I believe in angels. Maybe some do, some don't. But here's the beauty of it. The tenderness. Do you see that? The compassion. Her car cut off. And the Lord, for reasons only he knows, sent her an angel to turn that car back on. Because she needed a touch from the Lord that day. That's who our Jesus is. He's compassionate. No matter what we're going through, he is the God of compassion. And eventually, even though we have to wait, not only is he compassionate, he does deliver us. But sometimes we have to wait. Amen. Come on with me and look at our our passage today. We'll see how the Lord is is blessing. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 as he is delivering uh, Jeremiah. Then Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, please put these old rags and worn out clothes under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. And they pulled Jeremiah up with the ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. I want to mention one more thing just really quickly. Here's what's so beautiful. You notice they didn't drop him. Nobody's shoulder went out. The ropes didn't break. Can you imagine that danger if this is about 100 feet and you're up here and the rope breaks or somebody's shoulder goes out and you drop? The worst thing that could happen is if he dropped head first into mud, if it was this high, four or five feet high, do you realize he could have drowned in mud? Bad way to die. Broken his neck on the side, broken his arm, leg, whatever, or a combination of the above. But they got him out. Abed Malach, again, he's a type of Christ. He represents Jesus. Point number five. Please don't miss this. Point number five. Or four, excuse me. Point number four. Jesus won't drop us. Ever. Jesus won't drop us. Ever. There are times when we're going through a difficult time and we wonder, have we been dropped? Here's the beauty. I don't have it all together all the time. Neither do you. But God is 100% perfectly, flawlessly faithful to his children. John 10, you can read that later, 27 to 30. He says, when you're one of my children, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. You will never perish. In fact, you read that passage. He says it twice. You will never perish. You will never perish. Here's what he means. You may die physically, but you won't die spiritually because you're my daughter. You're my son. I don't change the relationship. And it's beautiful that God is so faithful to us because we have it together, then we don't. We're sinning, then we're repenting. We're doing good, and oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, forgive me. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. Somebody cut you off on the freeway. All right, somebody cut me off on the freeway. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, God, forgive me. We're faithful and not so faithful and good and not so good, obedient and not so obedient. He's 100% faithful all the time. Never, ever will Jesus drop us. Amen. Because he is our deliverer. Look at it again. Verse 12. Ebed Melech said to, Jer- uh, said to uh, Jeremiah, please put these old rags and worn out clothes under your armpits, under the ropes. Jeremiah did so. Now look at 13. So they pulled Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of The dungeon. That's good news. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Now he's still in a part of the prison, but now his life is spared. There's food. There's water. He's there with Ebed Melech who helped him out. And the 30 guys that Ebed Melech brought with him just to make sure everything went okay. 
because he knew there might be a fight. That's why he brought 30 guys with him. So it's fairly safe. Now, he might still be in the prison, and I'm betting he's quite muddy. But his life has been spared. He's been delivered. And that's the other thing we need to know about Jesus. Let's put that on the board. Number five, Jesus is our deliverer. Say that together. Jesus is our deliverer. He is. He is, no matter what's going on. When I was a a young boy, our parents took us on a cave exploration trip. They always wanted us to learn new things. We had never been uh, cave exploring. These were underground caves. And I remember there was kind of this uh, path that was concrete. And we go here and there. And the guide was telling us about, oh, see this in the ceiling. That there's a stalactite and the stalagmite. And this is quartz and this kind of rock and blah, blah, blah. And we got to one part and he said, now be very careful right here. Over there is a very deep crevice. He shined his flashlight. I don't even know how deep it is. If you fall down there, you're 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 dead. Basically, be very careful. So we're right there in that part. And I don't know what happened. For some reason, I was kneeling down or sitting and the railing because I was a child it was high above my head. And I started to fall. Because I had passed out. I didn't realize. it. And all I knew was that I kind of felt myself going this way and some strong hands grabbed my shoulder. And pulled me back to safety. And when I came to, I looked up and there was my dad. He had seen his boy. As a parent, I can feel this. He had seen his boy falling toward the crevice. And he grabbed me. Pulled me back to safety. Literally saved my life. And that's a painful death that I would have endured. Terrible. I was delivered. That's what God does for you and me. That's what Jesus does. Sometimes he'll allow us to be in a difficult situation. Sometimes it's a crevice and we're falling. But the strong hands of God grab us and pull us back to safety because he is our deliverer. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. Hallelujah. It's who he is. And so I want to encourage everybody who's feeling like I'm in a painful situation. I'm in a frustrating situation. Know that sometimes God will allow you to be there precisely because he wants you and me to realize how much we need him. And if it weren't for his strong hands, we'd be in that crevice and we'd be dead. He allows it. It's painful. It's muddy, it's dark, it's scary, but the Lord is good and he's faithful. And the beautiful thing is when we cry out to God, he hears us. Now, I want you to see what Jeremiah said, the Bible teaches us, when he was down there in the pit. He also wrote Lamentations, as many of you know. So go to, that's the next book in the Bible, Jeremiah. The next one is Lamentations. So go one book to your right, Lamentations 3. And we're going to start with verse 52. Look what Jeremiah said when he was down there, beginning with verse 52, my enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird. They sure did. They silenced my life in the what? The pit and threw stones at me. That is the image we were talking about earlier. The Hebrew has the sense that he's down there in the pit and it's probably this stone. They would roll it over and maybe make some snide comments. Hey, any food down there, Jeremiah? Mr. Preacher, man. Roll the stone over. Pitch black. 
and take it off. Hey, how's it going down there, Jeremiah? Roll it over. The Hebrew has the sense that it probably happened over and over and over again. They were rolling a stone. The waters flowed over my head. Now, we know he was in there with only mud. But how many have been in a painful situation where you said, I feel like I'm drowning? You know what I'm talking about. That's what he's talking about. I feel like I'm drowning. I said, I am cut off. That's pain. He feels cut off, not just from people. At that point, he probably felt cut off from the Lord. But he's real with God. Look how honest he is. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sighing. Sometimes you just go. From my cry for help. This took time, days, weeks. I don't know. But he was down there a long time. My sighing, my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. That's important for us to know. Do not fear. God is there. And then look at verse 58. Jesus all over this. Oh, Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. Yes, he has. Amen. You have redeemed my life. That's who Jesus is. He's redeemed our lives. He's pled the case for us. How beautiful that Jesus does all of this. And when we call out to him at the bottom of a pit, he hears us. And that's point number six. Let's put that on the screen, please. Point number six, Jesus hears our every cry. Let's say that together. Jesus hears our every cry. There's nothing he doesn't hear. And I want to encourage every one of you that's in a difficult situation and myself included to do three things. If we can put those up, this is my encouragement. Number one, pray. And here's what I mean. Be real with God. If you're in a pit. You feel like your family's in a pit, friends, church, finances, job, whatever. Pray. Be real. God can take it when we say, Lord, I feel cut off. I'm drowning here. I, I, I thought you had my back, God. Today, it doesn't seem like it, I don't even know if you're around. I don't feel close to you. I feel hopeless. I feel lost. It's dark. I'm scared. The stone got rolled over that pit again. Oh, Lord. Now it's pitch black. I don't even like darkness. Come on, God. He can hear us. It may not sound beautiful, but here's what I love about God. Relationship is more important than just the rules. Hear me. He'd rather you be real and say, God, this hurts. Where'd you go? What's going on? How come you let me be in this pit? Then to have you try to pray a spiritual prayer and it's fake. We can be real. And later on, if you're like me, you'll say, Lord, forgive me. I should have trusted you. Lord, forgive me. I should have praised you more. Lord, forgive me. I should have thanked you more. Pray. Be real. That's what I'm talking about. Pray. Second thing. Wait. That's the hard part. When you're in a pit, you're in mud up to your neck. Wait. If God didn't give you a fire extinguisher, chances are he's got a different way to put the fire out. Amen. You might have to wait for God to send his redeeming blessing. Pray, wait. Third thing, hang on. Hang on to God. Pray. Getting up in the morning, spending time with him, glorifying him, getting into your word, singing the songs of Zion to him, calling your prayer partner and saying, brother, we got to pray. Sister, we got to pray. 
reaching out to people on Facebook and social media. Hey, I'm having a difficult time. Could you pray for me, please? Stand in your growth group, stand in your small group, go into your women's Bible study, your men's Bible study. Coming to church, hearing the word, hanging out with other people who love the Lord. You may not have an answer. There may not be perfect light, but God is still God and he will see you through. Hang on to the Lord. And here's what he does. That's so beautiful. I want to share one more thing with you. It was written by Jeremiah before this situation, but it's so appropriate because it was written by the same prophet. Jeremiah 29. Many of you know where I'm going. 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to give you harm. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. We may feel like captives. We may feel like we're in a dungeon or in a pit when we're at the bottom. But God says, you seek me with all your heart. You lean on me with everything you got. And I will come through. I will deliver you. I'm going to let down the ropes. And I'm going to give you some old rags and worn out clothes. And I'm going to pull you out. It will take time. You may get a knee scraped or two knees scraped, but I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be compassionate. And one day there will be no more captivity because I am your deliverer. I'm your redeemer. You're not dead. You're my child. You're my child. I still love you. And I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's who our God is. Even when we think we're stuck, he's still our redeemer. Would you stand with me, please? I want to ask you.